This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan with the Moorhead team. And today on the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast, we're going to talk about how to do Airbnb illegally in Austin. I've got Connor Olson here with me, and he runs some Airbnbs legally here in Austin and is doing it himself. So he would love to talk with you all about how it's working for him. Not only that, but he also just started a short-term rental management company in the Austin area and would love to help you with this too. So, hey, Connor, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Yeah, glad to be on here. We actually got a request to have an episode on how you can do Airbnbs the right way in Austin. And we've been trying to find some time to record this. We were finally able to sit down and get this going. So we are here today to talk all about how you can actually legally do Airbnb in Austin. And that's cool because you can make a ton of money running an Airbnb the right way or a short-term rental. We're going to use those two words interchangeably interchangeably here today. Mm -hmm. Short-term rental is under 30 days is is how they look at it in Austin. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be a weekend. It could be three weeks, but under 30 days and over 30 days, we're going to talk a little about that too is it's not considered a short-term rental. We're going to talk short-term rental Airbnb the same way. And it's something that both Connor and I do. We, we both do short-term rentals and monthly rentals. And I do some long-term rentals in the Austin area. And we'll talk about just the differences in all of them. So real quick, Connor, you, you were the one who kind of introduced me to the monthly rental concept. And we both started doing short-term rentals around the same time. Um, why did you choose to do monthly rentals versus long-term rentals, like yearly leases? Yeah, so I was looking to purchase uh, a house in Austin, mm-hmm. and I couldn't make the numbers work. I always heard that, you know, it's great to live for free. And I thought, you know, this was 2020. Uh, I thought, you know, this isn't possible. My mortgage is going to be $2,400 a month. And if I bought a duplex, the other side of the duplex would be making me 1200 a month. So I didn't think that it was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um so I was just frustrated with it and I wanted to make more money than, you know, long-term rents could make me. So uh, earlier when I was in college, I actually um, traveled to the East Coast. Uh, I'm from the West, so I went to the East Coast and I needed a place to stay for 10 weeks and I needed it furnished um, for an internship. And I couldn't find an apartment that, you know, like apartments.com that was fully leased. So, or that was fully furnished. So. I ended up finding a property on Airbnb and staying there for 10 weeks. So that kind of always stuck in the back of my mind that, you know, you could rent a furnished property and Mm -hmm. I was paying a lot more than a typical one bedroom cost was. Um, So I was frustrated in Austin and then a light bulb kind of clicked and I thought, you know, what, is there a market for this still? Mm -hmm. I've been a user, I've been a customer. Can I be the supplier? So um, I started looking it up and sure enough, I found that there was a good demand, um, in Austin 
And this property that I was interested in, they actually had comps on the same street that were monthly rentals. So that really solidified it in my mind that it's a possibility and that um, it's a strategy worth looking into. So I ended up buying the property, um, live on one side, put the others, I furnished the other side and I rent it for 30 day minimums, like we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So it's considered a medium term rental or a monthly rental. Um, those two terms are interchangeable and uh, it's been doing great. It's paying for all my mortgage and I'm living for free now. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think, you know why Connor talks about, hey, we're looking for 30 days or more. And the, the same reason that, that a lot of people here in Austin, we, we hear about these short-term rental laws being so restrictive and we say, we just can't do that. So I, it never had occurred to me to do monthly rentals. And then I, I met Connor. Well, I helped Connor find his first house hack. And we started talking. I said, man, he's covering the whole mortgage with just one side. I had been the more traditional route where I rented one side and maybe I moved some roommates into my side to cover most of them or all the mortgage. And I did cover all the mortgage doing that. But then when I got into a more serious relationship and and started to not want to have roommates in my side, I ended up paying a little bit. And yeah, it was five or 700 bucks a month. It was still great, but I didn't know that I had a strategy where I could live for free that easily. Um, and then we've both moved on to short-term rentals. So really what this episode is about is, is how to run a short-term rental the right way in Austin. And we'll go into a little bit more of monthly rentals here shortly. But just so everybody understands the short-term rental regulations in Austin, essentially there's there's two main types of licenses. There's type one and there's type two. You can get a license fairly easy if you live in the property. Mm -hmm. If you don't live in the property, it's really hard. I don't know anybody that has one. Yeah, from my understanding, they don't give those out anymore. Yeah. They used to, but not anymore. Yeah, so some people are grandfathered in. If you're lucky to be grandfathered in, you're in a good spot. But if you're not, and you're trying to buy a property in Austin, you want to cash flow or or at least break even, uh, it's, it's hard to get a short-term rental license. So in, in Austin, you need to get licensed to run a short-term rental. When you get licensed, you have to pay hotel tax. Uh, the state tax is also there. And then you have to pay the licensing fee, I think every year. Yeah, a licensing fee is $500 a year. Mm -hmm. And they double check that you still live in the property. Mm -hmm. um, so if you don't, obviously they can cancel your license the hotel tax uh or the state of texas the hotel tax is six percent mm -hmm. and the city of austin is 11 percent. so if you're running your numbers make sure you add an extra 17 percent mm -hmm. and make sure that the numbers still work because that's that's a huge chunk and that's not on profit that's 17 percent on revenue gross yeah so so that's a that's a lot yeah, and it's really easy for the city. You talked about the city checks that you live there. They don't come by and knock on the door necessarily, but it's really easy. All I have to see is the property's homesteaded. So when you get your short-term rental license, you need to submit your ID. You, they need to verify homestead status. They really make sure you live on the property without having to come do any work to make sure you live on the property. So it's not like you're going to cheat the system and get the license. You need to live there. Um, but then we'll, 
I know there's, there are some other ways to run an Airbnb in the Austin area. Um, you're actually buying a property in one of those areas. Could you talk a little bit about that so our listeners understand um, the other ways? Hey, I want to buy an Airbnb mm -hmm. or I want to buy a short-term rental. Where can you do that and not live in the property? Sure. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it. That would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. So um, I'd say there's two aspects to that. One is uh, if you want to have a property in the city of Austin, and the second is if you just want one in the Austin metro. So uh, if you want a property in the Austin metro, you know, there are suburbs and they don't have the same short-term rental restrictions that Austin has. So like, for example, Round Rock is... A, uh, a suburb and they don't have any short-term rental restrictions. Mm -hmm. So very popular for short-term rentals up there. If you want to buy a property in the city of Austin with an Austin, you know, zip code, you have to purchase in what is called an ETJ zone. It stands for extraterritorial jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. And basically it's an area where the city does not have um, laws that apply there, you're under the umbrella of the county. Mm -hmm. So in Austin's case, you're in Travis County. So you're under Travis County laws, but you're not under Austin city laws. So that plays out in a lot of different ways. Uh, your tax rate is going to be different than someone in the city of Austin. Mm -hmm. Your utilities are going to be different. Um, and then also this permitting processes are different. So like if you wanted to add, you know, like a bedroom to your house, the, the permitting process might be different. But in our case, short-term rentals, you know, you don't have to have a permit to, to run a short-term rental in these areas. Mm -hmm. And you also don't have to pay the 11% city of Austin tax, mm -hmm. which is, that's way more important. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm purchasing a property in the, the ETJ zone. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really interesting. Uh, they're, you know, people would assume that they are way far out and they're on the edges of the city and not really. So Devin, who's on our team, actually lives in an ETJ, unbeknownst to him when he bought the house. Um, or maybe he, we didn't know the significance of it at the time. But uh, this is an ETJ about 15 minutes from downtown Austin. Yeah. You know, great location. Lots of them are in really good locations. It probably at some time worked weren't considered, you know, really close to everything, but now we yeah. consider these areas really desirable areas to be in. Mm -hmm. So we are absolutely very happy about finding this loophole mm -hmm. where you can run Airbnbs legally and ETJs. Um, so why would somebody want to run an Airbnb or a short-term rental in the city of Austin compared to just doing a monthly rental? So mm -hmm. monthly rental, I think you and I both agree you can typically double the annual rents mm -hmm. if you're running in a, a furnished monthly rental. So if everybody understands, we say monthly rental, it has to be furnished. It has to look good. It has to be a desirable place to stay still. It's not near as much work as a short-term rental, but it's about double the monthly rent. So mm -hmm. since those are so awesome, why would somebody want to run a short-term rental in the city of Boston? Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to cash flow. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have a trade-off as you go from more work to higher cash flow. So long-term rent, 
very little work, very low cash flow, short-term rental, high work, high cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so to put it in perspective, uh, just some numbers, my duplex, if I rented it out, typically on a yearly lease, I would make $50 a night. Mm-hmm. If I rent it out monthly, I can make $90, $95 a night. If I rent it out short-term, I can make 140 to $150 a night. So obviously there's differences in vacancies and expenses and things like that, but mm-hmm. the cash flow is just way more significant when you're in a short-term rental space. Um, so I think that's the main reason why people are attracted to it. Do you have any other reasons why you think someone would want to do it? So for me, the, the big thing that sticks out about being able monthly versus short-term, short-term, and that was kind of the comparison here is um, with short-term, we get all these very high rate area so we actually just set our rate for acl and we're thinking hey maybe seven eight hundred dollars a night might not be crazy on our place where even with uh south by southwest where we were newer and didn't have a lot of reviews we were getting i think four hundred dollars a night for a two-bedroom place and it's just that there's not a lot of space to stay and there's way more demand during those times yeah f1 acl south by southwest you know there's lots of events like this that run through austin and mm-hmm. you really need to pay attention when you're running a short-term rental to to raise the rates on these days or these weekends uh, acl is two weekends but the rates can be a lot higher there so i know people who've made 10 grand in a weekend mm-hmm. off south by southwest Yep. And that might be two and a half months yep. on a monthly rental. Absolutely. So the I think what in what you mentioned that you're you're talking maybe three times on average is three times the yearly rent, but on these awesome nights yep. you get uh, maybe a twenty of a year in Austin, mm-hmm. the rents can be ten x the yearly rent, and yep. that can really bump up your cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have a lot of those special events here, so. It's yeah. important to take advantage of those. Yeah. Yeah. And we're lucky F1 just committed to stay for a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some NASCAR events now too. Uh, we haven't really seen the demand on those yet because they're relatively new, mm-hmm. but there's tons of events like that. And for me, that's, that's the main, that's how I first got introduced to Airbnb with special events. I said, Hey, I'm going to rent my place for this weekend or that weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make extra money off it just because of that. And that was the only reason I even first got introduced to Airbnb. It wasn't, hey, I'm going to do this all the time. It was, hey, I'm going to get out of town and I'm going to rent it for this weekend or two or maybe a week and I'm going to make really good money and maybe I'll cover my mortgage for two or three months mm-hmm. off a week of week of time, Yeah, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, you could go relax on a beach. Yeah. Yeah, you can drive down to Port A, you can rent your place in Austin and have a great time and pay for the vacation at the same time. And I think that's that's really cool too. Um, provided you don't have pets that you can't take with you or things like that, there's no reason you can't just leave any old weekend yeah. and rent your place out on Airbnb. I have a friend in East Austin that does Airbnb, uh, Lucas, and he says, oh, I'll leave on the weekends and we'll rent our place out and we'll pay for our vacation mm-hmm. just off Airbnb. We have a, a client that lives in a condo off Riverside. <laughs> he makes really good money. Just he travels. He likes to travel and he makes enough money to cover his mortgage and pay for some of his travels just when he's traveling. Mm-hmm. So there's so many options with Airbnb. Maybe you've got a second home. 
and you're covering the expenses of that second home just off of Airbnb. And I, I really like those, those possibilities. And I think if you're up, let's say you're up north and in Minnesota or Illinois, and it gets really cold in the winter and you'd like to come down to Austin for a little bit in the winter, but the rest of the time you're not going to be here. You buy a home in the right area, you can cover the mortgage and a lot more mm-hmm. and still have a place to come when it's really cold up where you are. Yeah, absolutely. That's another reason I really like it. Yeah. So let's move into a, into furnished monthly rentals and why we like furnished monthly rentals and and why we really don't think they're any more work than a normal rental. Mm-hmm. Yep. So maybe you could talk about your experience. I know you have a lot more experience than I do with furnished monthly. Yeah. So um have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. I have been doing furnished monthly for a little bit now, and I have had, like you said, just very low problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would be on par with short-term rentals, mm-hmm. um, but what I found was the biggest headaches come from when guests are checking in and checking out. And if someone's staying for 60 days, that happens every other month. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's a short-term rental, you might have it six times a month. Yeah. So. Um, I also found that the mentality of the guests is very different. So if you're doing a short-term rental, it's a hotel, you don't really care about it. You're just, you know, dropping off your stuff and then you're going out, having fun, like coming back and going out in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. but if it's a monthly rental, basically it's just a furnished apartment and they kind of treat it as their own apartment. Mm-hmm. I'm so surprised. So we, we have a, Ours is pet friendly. So a lot of people bring their dogs. Mm-hmm. And I think all of them have brought a dog blanket and they put a dog blanket on the couch. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've been shocked. I, I can't believe I would never have thought to do that. So yeah. um, they're just way more respectful mm-hmm. because, you know, they're stuck there for two months mm-hmm. or three months. So um, they take care of it really well. I haven't had any issues that would not be standard with a long-term rental Mm -hmm. like my dryer broke or the vent hood over the stove broke like if that happens in long-term rental you got to fix it anyways yeah so i haven't seen any issues with it so i don't know what's your experience then really the same but I, i have an interesting circumstance where i have a monthly rental in a duplex i own next to a long term rental and actually the long-term rental has been more work believe it or not and why i think that is is you know again you talked about it's when people are moving in and out um anytime you have a tenant move in they find all the issues right when they moved in and with a long-term rental you also are not paying as much attention to it before it's set up for people to move into so i had a tenant move in I think in uh, beginning of May and they found a bunch of things wrong with the house and then they've had problems which of their own were of their own doing 
So when you live in a long-term rental, you're kind of responsible for some of the rental. You know, you need to take care of the utilities, need to change the furnace filter. There's some stuff that goes on. But when I'm running a monthly rental, I'm I'm expecting to take care of all this stuff. So we kind of set it up so it's okay. You know, maybe we change the furnace filter out in between guests, stuff mm-hmm. like that. We know we're going to have to do that, and we just take care of the place better sure. because of it. But with the long-term rental, they, they don't always take care of the place, and then it, it ends up becoming your problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would argue, in my experience so far, and it's not as long as yours, but in my experience so far, the monthly rental is less work than the long-term rental in this case, or, or very similar, but a little less in this case, and about double the money. So mm-hmm. it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm kicking myself for not doing two monthly rentals because it stayed booked the entire time we haven't been in it, which has been about six months now, seven months, and we've got it booked out for the next few months already, and then they just they trickle in. Yeah. So we stay booked for about three or four months straight and then we'll get another two or three month booking after that. Yeah. We don't stay booked. We don't personally then more than six months out. I don't know what your experience is there. Yeah. More than six months out. Uh, I'd say on average, if you're booked two to three months out, your occupancy is over 90%. Okay. Um, it's random that people book more than six months out last night. Actually, I got an exception to that role. I got a booking. We're in like beginning, middle of May. Mm-hmm. I got a booking from July 31st to December 31st. Wow. Yeah. It, wow. Yeah, I was shocked. It's it's someone who's moving here and their house is being built. Oh. So they don't know when it's going to be done. So they the first question they asked is, uh, if, we, if our house is built early, can we move out early? Um, so, you know, yeah. I told them yes. If, yeah. you, if you give me enough notice, sure. I don't really care. Um, Worst case scenario, you know, they're staying until the end of the year. So um, that's an anomaly. I'd say it's usually two to three months out. Um, yeah, and I think that that's the main question I get from a lot of people is, well, hey, how much how much vacancy do you have? And I think people expect that you might have May vacant. And I think it's been our experience uh, on our duplex that we really don't. We might have a few days here or there vacant. Yeah. And yeah, that that ends up adding up to around 10%, mm-hmm. but the cash flow more than makes up for it. And again, the cash flow more than makes up for the added expenses where we end up still making a lot more money off it. So mm-hmm. just our, our one unit in this duplex, the one unit we're renting monthly, more than covers all the expenses. So mortgage, all of the maintenance, so like the regular lawn care, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. just general maintenance and all utility expense for the monthly rental. Sure. And then our yearly rental is just all, all free cash flow. Yeah. So pretty awesome. Um, and then because we are doing a short-term rental on the one we live in, so we live in a duplex, a short-term rental on the other side, that covers all of the mortgage and some of the expenses for that. So. Mm-hmm between two duplexes, we're doing pretty well. And yeah. that's all I had to do was buy one, move out, buy another, you know, three and a half percent down on the first one, refinanced about a year later, three and a half percent down on the next one, currently in the refinance on that one. And then we'll do it again at, at least two or three more times on a duplex. Mm-hmm. 
And then we, we will switch to doing this in single family. With single family with ADU, of course, we're going to have to run a, an Airbnb or short-term rental out of the ADU yeah. to make meaningful cash flow out of it. I haven't seen a lot of two-bedroom ADUs. Yeah. Not a ton. The price point for those are pretty high right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think basically, you know, the point of today's podcast was just for people to understand what short-term rental laws are in Austin. Again, really easy if you live in it, really not easy if you don't live in it. But if you don't live in it, there are certain zones you can do this in legally. At the same time, monthly furnished rentals work really, really well. And that's a great way around it. And you know, Connor kind of figured that out. And there are tons of ways to do this. You just need to understand what way is best for you and, and how are you going to do it and account for all the expenses and make sure you've got good systems set up and systems are so important <laughs> with a Airbnb or short-term rental or even monthly rental. Yeah. But that it is possible to run a short-term rental in the Austin area. And, you know, Connor would love to help you with any questions you have on that or management. Uh, we recently started a company called STRATX. It manages short-term and furnished monthly rentals for people. And we'd love to help with that too. So any questions you guys have, reach out to us here at the Moorhead team. Message me here on Facebook. You know, message me on Instagram, anywhere you need. I'm pretty easy to find. If you just Google Jordan Moorhead or the Moorhead team, you'll find us. And Connor Olson is Connor at themoreheadteam.com. I am jordan.moorhead at kw.com. We'd love to help with any questions you have.